Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red-eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind, and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. We got a lot to talk about today, V, but let's start with the World Cup. Argentina's won it. Messi is the GOAT. How are we feeling about that? That was crazy just to see it play out in PKs all the way down to the last second. Yeah, I mean, in my lifetime, this is the greatest World Cup final or greatest soccer match I've seen with everything on the line. Uh, there have been a lot of disappointing World Cup finals. Uh, and, you know, the first one that I really got into was the 94 World Cup when it was in the U.S. Um, that was like when I was first starting to play soccer. I was a late, late, late addition. And it was it was big because um what actually ended up happening was um, the one of the national teams was supposed to practice at our high school facilities, but they didn't end up qualifying. Like there was a lot of hype around my high school around that. Like this mm. is pretty cool. One of the uh, national teams will be training because one of the facilities was in Detroit and we were like 45 minutes south of Detroit. Um, so that's like when I first started getting into it. Um, obviously soccer is a big, big thing for me um specifically messy like there's like a handful like i have like my my uh my mount rushmore of athletes and it's it's ali michael jordan uh roger federer um and uh now lionel messi specifically because this guy's like this guy is probably the least likely candidate to be on any Mount Rushmore of athletes. <laughs> like, he, he, if you go back to his kind of origin story, like he he had like a, a illness that stunted his growth. Um, he's not the most physically imposing guy. Um, very similar to Argentina, the Diego Maradona story. It's almost like he's like the incarnation of of Maradona. Exactly same height, kind of same situations. Um, but this guy has dominated at every level that he's played. Um, and literally, like, the criticism, he continued to face criticism because he never won a World Cup. Nobody ever really mentioned the fact that he kind of was playing with one arm tied behind his back in all of these World Cups. He's made two World Cup finals and literally singularly led this team uh to a championship they started the tournament losing to saudi arabia which was a big deal um they came back and won and then also on the other side of this match was uh kind of the heir apparent uh kind of like the lebron to to messi's jordan <laughs> and in mbappe who had a hat trick and somehow still lost <laughs> these guys were just going back and forth like it was like it was like a, a nba game really like both hitting goals like it was just an amazing, surreal experience. Like, and and you really realize how how much this guy resonates, not just um, in Argentina, but the world. He put his post afterward um, had the most likes of any post ever on Instagram, with like fifty two million 
likes. Uh, so it just kind of shows you the power of this sport. Um, and it was just a cool scene to kind of see the whole world come together around any sporting event like like this. I think billions of people watched it. And then to see these two guys and these two teams deliver the way that they did is just like, you know, this is what sports is about. You don't get these opportunities. And I think it also brought in a lot of people. I know you're more of a casual soccer fan. You'll watch finals and stuff. But <laughs> for people who don't aren't big fans of soccer, I think this match um, really kind of showcased why it's so beloved globally. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I saw the the um, RDC World video recircling after this for Mbappe. It was like Mbappe in the locker room, and Sam was just being like, "All right, like (laughs) everyone in here, y'all trash." (laughs) (laughs) Just like I'm gonna go down the list of names, and just just to make it clear, I'm gonna say your name, and then I'm gonna tell you you're trash. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was a tough watch for me because I, i'm a big fan of mbappe too but every time he would score a goal because i was like literally emotionally invested in in messi getting yeah getting the championship i was like could he just stop like i was just like it was like this i was torn between being happy for him but then also being pissed off like just yeah stop. you already got your world cup in the last world cup just let messi have it man it does like it kind of felt like watching Steph and LeBron go back and forth in those like iconic series because you've got two people who are just top of their game and you know Steph has always been like that guy like like you know Mbappe in this one just unstoppable just on, yeah. on a totally different level and it always yeah. gives this team a shot yeah and he has just the desire to be better right yeah. i think that's also what we saw in that all-star game with kobe and jordan and jordan's last all-star game how kobe really really took it personally and wanted to be the mvp of the game everybody else was like trying to make sure jordan won the mvp kobe was like no i'm going to win the mvp of this of this game so very similar but that's what you want to see and and is is two people or two teams give it their all it come down to pks and um Argentina crowned the champion in a fitting end. You know, Messi had to wait 18 years of his professional career to finally deliver. And now, you know, these GOAT conversations in sports are always very interesting, right? Like everybody has their personal favorites. Somebody who thinks LeBron is the GOAT isn't going to be convinced that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Somebody who thinks that Pele is the GOAT isn't going to be considered. It's it all comes down to personal preference, but I think there's just a, a story here with Messi, which is like that just resonates with like the average casual human being. This guy is not an Olympic athlete like Ronaldo. He's not. Uh, he's he doesn't have the frame of of an Ali or the physical talents of a Jordan. But to become the greatest at something, when you don't have the physical attributes to do it just shows you the power of the mind and the power of of the heart to to really become great at something yeah i think that's that's a part of Messi's story that stands out so much is the the undersize you know really like underdog his whole career makes it easy to root for him and he's always handled himself you know i felt like really really well off the pitch mm-hmm. as well very humble guy um, you know, stark difference from what we saw out of Ronaldo this World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it just like cements the um, you know the excellence that he's led his whole career with, and you know he he deserved this 
uh, as much as anybody else did. Yeah, watching the um, the PK is like when that France guy missed the PK completely, missed the goal completely. I was like, oh man, like you know, what what do they say in uh, movies? They say that characters have plot armor, where like the yeah. plot is like going to make it so they can't lose. And I, it really felt like Messi had plot armor in this World Cup. Yeah, he had to struggle like the the suffering, like it just kept going. It was like a gladiator. It's like watching a Rocky movie. Like yeah. you see Messi, you're like, oh, they're gonna win. Then Mbappe scores another goal. It was like you didn't want him to be the villain, but he unfortunately played the villain in this in this script. And that again, that's that's the thing about Messi that kind of I think stands out is that you can still have the desire to be the greatest or be competitive be ultra competitive but still be a decent human being and have character and do it with with class um you don't need to be an asshole to be yeah. great which is which was kind of the takeaway um i think and, and the reason why he resonates so much globally like it's just crazy to think that's that so many people around the world were rooting for this guy to win something and it, it's 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 also these moments are great, especially in the environment that we're in in the world when you have these kind of unifying moments because it just seems like we're in a world full of like divisive moments, constant division to to have that was was also kind of a, a good feeling yeah so uh what is this about um Drake's bet <laughs> so of course, Drake always knows how to become the center of attention of any storyline. This guy's like a media media genius and and we can have a larger conversation about him and this whole betting thing that he's been doing over the course of the last like six months or so. Um, but he staked a million dollars on Argentina to win, and everybody thought you know, and it paid out two point seven five million so after he posted the betting slip and everybody thought that he had won, but I don't think he was aware either that he had not won because the bet's contingency that it ended with Argentina winning, not a PK penalty K penalty shootout. And so he actually lost the million dollars, but everybody on social media already was jumping on the fact oh, wow. he actually took down the printing Ted and everything. But still to this day, I saw a post this morning about Drake winning $1.75 million. But what, what my takeaway from this is just his ability to always make his name part of these storylines is just genius, right? Like, <laughs> The second most talked about person outside of Messi in the World Cup was Drake. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't play. He wasn't at the game, but he just made a bet. And somehow he became the center of attention once again. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like the male Kardashian. Yeah. He's a long lost brother of, of Kim and, and all of them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, except he doesn't. He does. It seems like he actually has talent, which is which is uh, which is a differentiating factor <laughs> between him, <laughs> between him and him and all these other attention seekers. But it was just interesting too, like the backdrop of this culturally. You know, something I wanted to talk about on the pod. You know, we've both seen this, like these celebrities and stuff, with the the, the growing popularity of online sports betting. The fact that they've got all of these people fooled into believing that Drake is actually Drake. I've seen Floyd Mayweather doing it. They're actually partners with this company, Stake. They're not spending 
their own everyone money. thinks that yeah. their own money but yeah. everybody actually believes that they are and it's just so amazing to me how gullible so how is it i don't know if it's the desire for people to want to believe it or if they actually do believe it. i don't know what the phenomenon is but it's like i always find myself in these situations like don't you people see what this really is? And it's like, am I ruining the moment for myself? Should I just let it, let it, let it play out and let people believe what they want to believe? But it's pretty obvious that this isn't real. You know yeah. what I mean? On the bright side, it gets people more into the game, which I think is is cool. But like, yeah, it's just like at a casino, right? Like when they give an allowance to you know whichever celebrity that they're having stay with them, it's you might see the celebrity there gambling, but it's because they were given, here's 50K that we want you to gamble tonight in our casino. I was like, okay, well, I have nothing else to do. Sure, I'll go lose yeah. your 50K back to you. Yeah, or win. And <laughs> yeah, I, I unlikely. Win a bunch of free money. Yeah. Unlikely, but I, I want some free money. But it's just, yeah. it's just fascinating to me how much some of these things, like gambling, like even 10 years ago was such a like, taboo thing but now it's like so normalized i don't i i think especially amongst like millennials like it's really like everybody seems to be betting on it even if they don't watch sports yeah they're betting on sports uh they're betting all these parlays too for no reason yeah (laughs) that's all i see on tiktok all i see on instagram is like people talking about the parlays that they're betting it's like when we went to sports betting from regular gambling, people forgot that it's still addictive. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like, oh, no, no, thing- it's, it's sports, though. It's, it's, it's the sports industry. It's not the gambling industry. <laughs> and it's like, nah. Yeah. And I think everybody, you know, anybody who's a huge fan of sports, like I had a phase in my early 20s where I, because of how much I felt like I knew about sports, I, I started thinking that it was like a, money-making opportunity for me so early on i was doing very well but you know i got i i I realized very quickly that i'm not smarter than these line makers uh in in vegas and it it, it's like once i started seeing like you know the losses pile up uh i was just like okay i have to stop doing this but it seems (laughs) like It seems like it's not a great, great thing for um, for, for college kids who are on, on loans on on student loans to be spending that loan <laughs> money, losing it on on DraftKings. But hey, you know if it's gotta entertaining, do you gotta do gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Um, uh, in other news, someone else who loves to be in the headlines, Elon Musk, uh, put up a poll on Twitter this week whether he should continue to be CEO or not, and uh, very quickly lost that poll. And uh, it, it was interesting because I think, you know, in in where that business is at and the way it operates and runs, I think after the changes that he made, there's there's a pretty simple kind of day-to-day cadence in terms of operating that business. And then with his reaction to how he handled his kids being targeted, him using Twitter as like one of his weapons, uh, I think probably was a moment where some folks around him called him probably the folks who had put money in and been like yo bro like you're doing the thing you said you weren't gonna do right now like that's not cool and so he brought he had like banned some reporters who were reporting about this and like he he was honestly tripping like it was crazy um but very quickly kind of came out of it put the poll up in my view you know i'm gonna just say it 
I'm sure he was already planning on stepping down. You know, this is a poll that makes the makes people feel like he's listening to Vox Populi, but he's listening to Vox Elon right now. And I think it's it's an interesting situation. Will he find a CEO? Probably. Will it take some time? It'll probably take like three months, six months to find somebody that that can run the business well and you know is like a pretty chill dude and poor girl and doesn't get their shit, their personal shit in the mix with everything else. Maybe Dorsey comes back. You know what I'm saying? But whatever the situation, like I think Twitter's in a better position than it's been before because it's it's private now. There's so much of a reduction of headcount. It gives it new life as a company, and I think the debt on his acquisition of it is what's crippling from his perspective to the business. But overall, like the business is a lot more fundamentally sound today than it was, you know, three months ago. Yeah, I mean, the the concern with this whole kind of fiasco is this: is when you take over a company, it's like you have to have the understanding that it's about the company and it's not about you. Um, and I think since from the time he thought about acquiring it, I mean, this guy has a lot of Kanye in him, and that is that is the scary thing about some of these geniuses is their obsession almost and it's 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 partially them but it's also partially like the enthusiasm that they get when they get the type of global or widespread reaction to the things that they do and the things that they say and that's what twitter you know why he loves twitter anyways is because the number of people that follow him when he says something the reactions that he gets the amount of interaction that he gets around whatever he's doing but the reality is is that who you want to be the steward of a company like twitter is the person that you are saying that doesn't make it about them but makes it about making sure that the platform and what's happening on the platform um gets highlighted i am not privy enough to the information to say if it's better or worse under his leadership in terms of the company and internally i'm not i don't have the information to say that but the fact that I don't know that is something that is a problem for me. Um, and in addition to that, like um, <clears throat> the, the the risk, although he is taking Twitter private, the company that has made him the richest person in the world is tanking as a result of his focus on this platform. And I think this always kind of it, it alludes to sports, right? It's really hard to repeat a championship. And I think sometimes people have this obsession with not leaving well enough alone and not understanding. Like, I don't think he understands that the battle or the war still hasn't been won with Tesla. Um, and to to put this much energy into something while there's this other company that are that that literally has so much potential impact on the on the world. Um, it's troubling and concerning and it goes back to you know the idea of a system of checks and balances on people it's like what our government was built on um and what i think is fair what is the system of checks and balances it almost feels like we're in a day and age where it's like throw the checks and balances out until somebody gets gets caught in a situation where they what it's where it's so bad <laughs> that that they go to jail like an sbf but there's no system of checks and balances to keep things running smoothly and operating smoothly 
Well, and the reality too here is that if you think about it, Twitter's never had a full-time CEO. Dorsey was running yeah. Square and Twitter at the same time too, right? So it could it could likely. I mean, benefit. he was running Twitter. He was he he was running Twitter and then shifted into Square, right? Right. So, and when he was just the CEO of Twitter, even Dorsey, who's a guy that loves attention as well, it, it didn't drive. It wasn't a Twitter was not about Jack Dorsey all the damn time. You know, no, what I mean? uh, not really very much to be honest. It, and yeah, I think that it's a company that will benefit from somebody being a full-time CEO there who's probably somebody a little bit more boring that the media doesn't want to cover. Um, that's the best-case scenario for Twitter, and it's the best-case scenario for Elon as the owner of Twitter. And then if you look at Tesla as well, to your point, V, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Tesla major shareholders are just like, bro, like whether you can run both or not, it doesn't matter on paper. It matters what the perception is. And right now, the perception is you're not doing a good job with Tesla. You got to fix that. And I think from his own perspective, there's likely a lot of Tesla stock leveraged in the way that um, he used um, he used debt to buy Twitter, and so as that that principal amount of his Tesla ownership goes down, I would very much guess that it jeopardizes both companies quite significantly. So he's definitely got some cleanup to do. It was a bold move to buy Twitter, especially like at the bottom of a. Uh, a market cycle too it's, it's challenging times but i'm with you i think i think the world's uh uh in my view it's going to be a better place with um twitter more with twitter private not public and with a ceo in there that uh, hopefully is not interesting to anybody yeah i mean and it, it, there's so many like you know the way i look at these things is I feel like people get too ca- too caught up in do I like this guy or do I not like this guy um, versus evaluating what's happening and the lessons that can be taken away from it. Like Elon's leadership style is very, very strong in terms of innovation. Like if you're trying to bring something new to the world, you need somebody with his personality type, his conviction, his confidence to do it, to actually create. Like pe- I don't think people fully understand what it took to actually make Tesla the the fourth viable U.S. automaker in pretty much an oligopoly that's been around since you know Henry Ford created created the Model T um, to actually do that it takes somebody with his type of vision and leadership style but it takes somebody else and I feel like a lot of the other visionary CEOs of big companies they understood that. Um, and I don't think he's understanding that because what's happening even at Tesla, a lot of the talent that helped him get there, he's driven them away, made enemies of them. Um, and the same is kind of happening here with Twitter, where it's like, we get it, you know, you are the smartest guy in the room, you are the hardest working guy in the room. But at a certain point, you do have to build a community versus just burning the candle at both ends because you drive away a lot of good talent and i don't think he's ever figured out that balance and that's why you see these fluctuations the most successful company for him to me was he was very smart he exited paypal you know he exited paypal used that money to start tesla he should have done the same if he really wanted to take on this twitter thing he should have exited his role as ceo of tesla and just taken on the situation the leadership role at twitter but to be the actual ceo of two companies that this scale is is a task that's impossible and then also your personality type 
is not, you're talking about social media community whose value is built on building community. I don't know how much value you can gain with his type of personality type, which is like the opposite, which is drive people to the point of breaking. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's that. And then I think as well, like when you're this type of person, it's going to be impossible him, for him to focus on one venture. Like that's just not in his, <laughs> it's just not in his DNA either. So I can definitely understand, like, I think it's a societal question we have to ask ourselves is like, it, is it, are we okay with allowing somebody when they reach a certain level of success to literally just kind of have carte blanche on whatever they want to do in the business world? Or do we need to kind of, you know, hold stronger on it? Right. And it's like, yeah, it's a societal thing. It's on, it's on everyone. It's on the lenders. It's on the board members. It's on all the other people that are in the industry that, um, you know, are involved in these types of deals who rallied around him. It's around all the guys on the All In podcast, all those guys who ride Elon's D wherever he goes because yep. they want to be, you know, close to the rich guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's the reality of, you know, this scene in SoCon Valley is um, it's a lot of a lot of dudes that didn't really get, you know, to feel cool in their lives that, you know, feel cool when they get rich. And you know, they're the ones who have to hold each other accountable at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think we also, as a society, from the beginning of time, we love these tragedy stories, right? Like we actually enjoy seeing versus, you know, we don't, we don't hear about the, the, uh, <laughs> the Sergey Brins and, and those guys as much as we hear about Elon, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, the 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 reality is is that is that I almost feel like in the same thing with Kanye, it's almost like we enjoy seeing people. It's the we we enjoy seeing the fall, we enjoy seeing the crumble. It's like we like them up until the point where they get to the point or they get the status. Kanye being the best musician in the world, Elon being the richest man in the world. Once they attain that, it's like, okay, now we need to, it's like a flicker, a light comes on with, yeah. with, with society where it's like, okay, now it's time to destroy them and, and let the whole world see this like tragedy play out 100%, in real time. 100%. Uh, <laughs> funny stuff. Uh, let's jump to, uh, let's jump to our, uh, you know, good old, good old high state Buckeyes here. Uh, we, had some news last week that off the transfer portal, Lincoln Ryan Holtz, a uh, quarterback prospect, transferred into Ohio State. And that led to Dylan Rayola, who was the number one ranked uh, prospect in his class, uh, which I believe is um, just about to start college this fall. 2023. Right. Um, he decommitted. And, you know, a couple pieces of color around this. One is that his dad is an award-winning player at Nebraska. His uncle is actually a coach there. And with Matt Rule coming to Nebraska, I think that seems to be the likely suitor. So something that kind of makes sense. Um, but what was your take when you got the news feed? Did this you know, really even bother you at all? Or did you kind of see it, see it coming uh, when Matt Rule mo- made the move to Nebraska? Um, I didn't necessarily see it coming. What I did see is kind of the thing that we talk about with Zach all the time of how hard it is to maintain your perch on top of the college football world and stay competitive and stay elite. Um, What's actually starting to happen is the criticism around 
Ryan Day around the program, our inability to beat Michigan the last couple of years, in addition to the questions around C.J. Stroud, um, opened the door for this, right? And I think that played a role in addition to um, the reality is Ohio State, and Zach has been pretty vocal about this on his show, um, we're not competing at the same level. We're looking at College football has truly become pay-to-play because the NCAA did not control this whole NIL situation. So Ohio State, surprisingly, you would think, is on top of the NIL world, but they're not. They're not. You see some resistance from the, um, you know, the tradition-rich program of Ohio State saying, we're not going to just buy players like everybody else does. Um and there's an effect that that's having, and actually Ryan Day, behind the scenes, has been pretty vocal about this to the boosters, too, that we have to do what we need to do to compete. And if that means just the largest booster just writing a guy a million-dollar NIL check, that's what we're going to need to do. What Ohio State has done is the top prospects are getting their NIL deals, but then once you get below the C.J. Strouds, the money isn't there, whereas in the SEC and other conferences, literally that's every player that is elite is getting paid a significant amount of money just to play at the school. And you look at a school like Nebraska, who is very tradition rich, you see the the relationship. Uh, Rayola's dad actually was a Remington Award winner at Nebraska, and his uncle is now um, the defensive coordinator for Matt Rule. Matt Rule put out a tweet about this as well. Um, you see that Nebraska is sitting there as a, a program that's trying to make a comeback. They probably can write a blank check to this kid and give him whatever he needs to come to that program, and that creates a challenge. In addition to that, and this is my last point on that, is that Ohio State fans and the Ohio State program should be very aware of the changing competitive landscape that we have within the conference. You now have Matt Rule at Nebraska, who's a very high-profile, well-known coach, um, who's going to be more competitive on the recruiting trail. You have Luke Fickle now at Wisconsin. You have Lincoln Riley now coming at you, coming in at USC um, and UCLA as well now coming into the Big Ten, in addition to the existing competition with Michigan State. I mean, Michigan and Michigan State and the other Penn States of the world. It's going to be a very interesting time in the next few years to see how Ryan Day and the Ohio State program and Gene Smith and the leadership handles a situation in which it's going to be harder to just dominate every single year. How is Ohio State going to do that? Yeah. You know, and I'll say this too. I think I prefer that a player who is making the decision purely financially doesn't come to Ohio State. Because I think when we look at the biggest criticism that's been made of the team, it's toughness. It's that it's the locker room stuff. And, you know, at least from my experience, locker room guys are not financially driven. They're not yeah. dumb, but they understand that there's a bigger picture that they're, they're there for and, you know, participating for. And I think, you know, with Rayola, it was like, I wasn't really pressed either way, whether we got him or not. Obviously, a very talented player. Glad he's, he's hopefully staying in the Big Ten because that would be um, that would be ideal for the conference. To your point, V, I think more parity in the conference is good. 
because it gets you to more SEC-like results and also SEC-like respect, which overall helps everybody. Um, I also think it would be good if we were forced to play really challenging competition every year because it would strengthen the program. Um, and I'm here. I'm I'm ready to ride with McCord. You know what I'm saying? Or Devin Brown or whoever wins that, that QB battle. But I'm here to ride with the guys who've been sitting at the program the way Burrow did uh, you know, for years waiting for that opportunity. And, you know, unfortunately, Burrow was one that that we let get away. He went to LSU because opportunity wasn't going to be there for him. And uh, we saw just how good the quarterback development program is at Ohio State when he got to LSU, even though he didn't play a snap at Ohio State, he got better as a result of being in the program. So I do think that the I trust the coaches and the coaching staff to get the players to where they need to be. I think the thing is we need players who want to be there because it's Ohio State, not because it's the most lucrative option for them at the time. Yeah, um, I'm in agreement there, and I think that's also something that we need to start thinking about again from a recruiting standpoint is that the kids that are going to really want to be at Ohio State are going to be the kids, the best players in Ohio. And the best players in Ohio are being recruited by every powerhouse program in the nation. It's not. That is what I think has been the shift over the last few years. Like we're going after these nationally elite kids, um, but we're paying a price by not getting the kids that grew up watching Ohio State. They have an affinity and a loyalty to the program. You know, there's less and less Ohio based kids in the program. And I think that that's important for us to always, I think Urban understood it. And I think um, Pressel obviously really understood it is just get the best talent in Ohio. Obviously get the handful of national recruits, but if you start with the base of getting the best talent in Ohio, you put your program in a good position <clears throat> to have a healthy competitive locker room and people who really understand what it means to wear the scarlet and gray. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. Well, we got a couple topics left, V, but let's uh let's pick one and then let's wind this down. Which one do you like the best? <laughs> uh there's good let's let's do two quick ones i can't okay. i want to go back to the the world cup in salt bay yeah you know, I ha- yeah I, this guy i don't know if you saw any of the, i didn't see this story so somehow this guy got first of all salt bay is so annoying to me because his steaks are not really even that good um, but <laughs> it's a good restaurant good experience i respect what he did to build his brand but this guy somehow broke, got on the field, first of all, which he's not supposed to, at the World Cup, broke the cardinal sin, which is he actually went and touched the World Cup's trophy like he had won it. <laughs> um, and then, Lionel, there was a funny scene. I caught it while I was watching the thing. Messi was like hugging his teammates and coaches and stuff. And somehow Salt Bay jumps in and like, you could see Messi was trying to ignore him. And then he like aggressively grabbed him and turned him and forced him to take a picture with him so he could post it on social media. So it was just like the, the after effects of this is like, first of all, who is this guy? Why does he think like this? And it kind of shows you like the like weird thing that this like social media fame does to people of like not respecting time and place. Um, and and respecting the rules of the game and also just having some courtesy for people like the last thing this guy wants to do after he's won a world cup is take a picture with you salt bay like he probably hasn't even eaten at your restaurant you know what i mean 
it's also it's also just pk it's like dude's probably just realizing it happened yeah it's probably not even sunk in you know what i mean but you just see this character and there's a bunch of stories it just shows you like this this idea of like he probably thought he was really helping himself but at the end of the day the after effect is he's impacted his brand negatively and that's the thing that I see with a lot of people, like, and you see this too, brother, when you go into rooms with like celebrities and stuff, you see all the people plotting, plotting to get like a picture or get something to post on social media with this celebrity. And it's just like, just let things happen naturally or organically. It's one thing if that's something that you desire, even your approach should be natural. It should never be trying to like make somebody feel uncomfortable so you can get your Instagram up. Yeah. Yeah, straight up, man. Straight up. <laughs> and, and the second one, obviously, is the one that I think you you'll enjoy talking about as, as a former Atlanta native is Matt Ryan just being on the wrong side of football history again. First, yes, he hasn't even gotten over the twenty eight three loss comeback in the Super Bowl, uh, which was the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history but this was this one took the cake the indianapolis colts at halftime were up 33-0 and they allowed the minnesota vikings to come back and win the game now in fairness to matt ryan it is not all his fault if the coaches go to a completely conservative game plan and don't allow you to do what you needed to do and you find this in sports all the time you build up a huge lead and they get super conservative versus just doing what they did to get the huge lead you know what i mean yeah and and i feel badly for matt ryan because he seems like a pretty good guy but he's just getting clowned all over social media and all over the internet again yeah it's a tough it's a tough life to be matt ryan you know i'm not gonna lie like he's he's had the bad end of the stick more times actually probably every time uh but you know at the same time he's one of the most overpaid quarterbacks to talent uh in history i would say and uh so at least he has you know infinite wealth for that (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's too he's too sad when he's going back to his twenty thousand square foot mansion with his family. I don't think I don't think there are any photos of the Super Bowl loss in his in his home. Yeah, but it was. Did you see? Did you see that Patriots Raiders end? Did you see the highlights of that? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh god, you gotta you gotta when you get a chance, look it up. It is the craziest, saddest <laughs> end to a football game ever. <laughs> I feel like the Raiders this year too have just been like the biggest choke fest of a team. Like it's been they got the most, they got a break. Yeah, they, they got, got it. They pulled it out. It was the craziest Sheesh. thing ever. They got the the craziest finish to a football game ever. You saw seen. the one with Baker last week against the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, it's his first time, basically first time playing with that team. <laughs> like, yeah, and, one it's, and it's Baker and it's Baker Mayfield. And he oh, won. Yeah. They made yeah. it look incredible, and now he's yeah. like probably got that job. You know? Yeah, he looked really bad last night in the Green Bay Matt game. It didn't so he play came back well. down. To, yeah, he, didn't, he came, came to back reality. Down, came back to reality. So, so hopefully Baker will probably fall on his feet again and be a career backup for a Super Bowl team. But you know that guy's uh, uh, the king of failing forward. That's <laughs> how you got to do it, man. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the recipe for success in this world. Is just you know be in the keep right failing. circle. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So, anyways, that brings this episode to end. Um, we want everyone to have kind of a happy, obviously, have a happy holiday weekend. Be safe out there. 
uh, enjoy your family and friends. Take a moment to reflect. I know it's been been a rough year, but this part of the year also is a is a good time because it gives you the opportunity to be surrounded by by love. And I know a lot of as, as we saw with some of the unfortunate news over the last couple of weeks, it's also a time which people really struggle who don't necessarily feel that love in their lives. So definitely look out for people that 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 you sense are going through some things during this time period. It usually is accelerated during the holidays um, when they see everybody else kind of being merry and happy. Um, just 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 look out for that and do what you can to, to, to give back to society during this time. Spot on. And if you feel like your family's getting on your nerves, just try to bring some positive energy to the room. It'll make the whole... Or just take... Yeah. Or just well, buy a nice bottle of liquor and... <laughs> take some have have a few stiff drinks you'll be all right yeah it's a good uh a good time of year so happy holidays everyone and as always remember to be you you must fly Once we